0: Go rebuild my church, which, as you can see, is falling into ruins." These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 A.D. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Welcome to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. My name is Peter Doan, and I'm excited to be with you today as we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus, Go Rebuild My Church, and how this theme is relevant today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when my wife, Leslie, and I came home to the Catholic Church 14 years ago. And that is when we heard the call to rebuild and join efforts with other renewal movements within the church. And hopefully through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you as individuals as well as families and parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. Now we have a great show in store for you today. Periodically, we interview men and women that are doing Rebuilding and Renewal in the subject areas that we've been discussing. We've been discussing the call for Catholics to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Our guest today is Niryu de Silva. Though natives of the East Coast, Niryu and his wife, Sarah, live in Denver, Colorado. Niryu serves as the director of Focus Retreats. His team helps bring life-changing retreats to people at Focus 200 plus locations. Sarah, his wife, serves as formation specialist helping to bring effective principles into instruction of Focus missionaries. Welcome to our broadcast today near you.
1: Hey, thanks, Peter. It's so good to be with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Amen. So, Niru, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, family, and how you got involved in the Fellowship of Catholic University Students.
1: Awesome, yeah. I'm uh, originally from the East Coast in the D.C. area, but both of my parents are immigrants from Sri Lanka. Uh, they moved here in the 80s and had me. My dad is a Buddhist, and my mom is Catholic, and just... Because of that difference, they made the decision to not initiate me or my sister into any religion. Mm -hmm. So I kind of grew up really without anything. And I'd say because of that, and also just because of the way that um, they lived their faith, which was a little bit more sporadic and it didn't seem consistent, I started to question, like, is any of this real? Does it have any kind of con- consequence, both Catholicism and Buddhism? And I came to the conclusion that, no, it probably isn't. And mm-hmm. because of that, I really became like one of those nuns, one of those people who would refuse uh, mm-hmm. to take on any kind of label, uh, at, at worst an atheist. Yes. But that didn't stop me from looking for answers. I wanted to know how to live. I wanted to uh, know how to be a good person And I just found that I was always struggling to do that. But it was really, uh, eventually I I stumbled into a Catholic church pretty much. I was at a low, I was looking for answers, and I thought, let me give religion one more chance. Uh, And I walked into a Catholic church as just a 16-year-old kid, and I started to see something uh, really beautiful there. I started to see joy and excitement and happiness. There was a new parish community that was being built uh, in the neighborhood that I had just moved to. And it really started to make me rethink religion. And so over pretty uh, a few years of a journey, I started to realize, this is the truth. Jesus is real, God is real, and He desires me. He wants to tell a story
0: mm-hmm. in my
1: life. Amen. And so I converted to Catholicism um, at the age of 18, out in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college after that. We did not have any focused missionaries at the University of Virginia, where I was, but I was just trying my best, now that I'm a newly converted Catholic, to to be a Catholic and to know what it means to live my faith every day. Mm -hmm. And so, in doing that, I just experienced so much joy, and I saw so many of my other peers and friends that were looking for satisfaction, looking for answers, in all the wrong places, and meanwhile, I was growing more and more satisfied. I was feeling more and more fulfilled, more than I'd felt in my whole life, and I saw that it was because I was growing in my faith. And as I started to see that and share that with other people, there was just nothing else that was more exciting to me than, than sharing my Catholic faith with with other people in college. Amen. I was studying chemistry at the time. <laughs> yeah, I was studying chemistry at the time. And I remember getting to the end of my college career and they had a panel where they had several um, people who graduated with a chemistry degree. And they were sharing about their careers and they kind of looked a little bit sad. Like they were like, yeah, I make a lot of money. Things are great, but I'm in the I'm in the lab all the time. And you just got to get used to that. And there was just this deadness <laughs> to the way they carried themselves. And I was like, huh, is that really what I'm trying to move towards? And at that same time, uh, our campus ministry had uh, heard about this conference uh, held by Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University
0: Students. Yep. And my
1: campus minister wanted to take some students out, and he invited me to go with them. So I went, and I heard Curtis Martin speak. And I heard him share about how young people were sharing the faith on college campuses with others. I heard him talk about the need for that in the church, and my heart just set on fire. Mm. I was like, this is everything that I wanted. I didn't even know you could do this, like, with mm. your life as a job. You're telling me you can? And I ran out of that uh, conference room. There was a booth with a focused missionary uh, for recruitment, and I just started talking to him, and I'm like... I'm just, like, shaking, I'm kind of not looking him in the eye, I'm just scared and nervous, and and I'm like, hey, can you tell me a little bit about what focus is and, like, what it's like to be a missionary? And his eyes lit up, he was so joyful, and he was like, what a beautiful adventure I've been on. And again, my heart, that flame was just being fanned so hard, and I was like, this is what I have to do. So I became a focused missionary right after college, and I served at Columbia
0: University. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So that's a wonderful background. And, of course, I know, did you meet your wife in this process?
1: In being a missionary, I eventually met my wife. So after about four years, uh, my wife actually became a missionary. We served at Columbia together Uh for one year. And then I left the campus, uh, but then I started to think, like, hey, that girl was really interesting. <laughs> we really, you know, we got to grow as friends so much over that the course of that year. Uh, And then when I went back and talked to her, we started going on dates and then three years later got married.
0: (laughs) And, of course, according to your bio, Sarah certainly plays an important part in focus. Being a formation specialist and helping to create Uh, effective teaching principles, that's no small calling.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, My wife is amazing. I I learned so much from her. Uh, She actually has a background in uh higher education. That's what she studied out in Philadelphia at Temple University. Mm-hmm. And we she often used that. She was a super, super effective Bible study leader. Um she's really good at helping people really understand uh principles. And then we both actually left focus for three years uh just before we got married, but then we discerned coming back. And at first it was just me who was discerning to to make that uh, shift back to focus. But then they called Sarah, and they said, "Hey, we would love if you would consider coming to the formation mm-hmm. team and at first, we were like, Is that is are we both supposed to go back? I don't think so, mm-hmm. but then, as uh, she prayed about it and as I prayed about it, I could just see like she was so excited and so joyful, and yes, like now she's doing amazing things mm-hmm. working with our new staff training to help teachers come and uh take the, the great knowledge and resources and know-how that we have in focus and translating that to our new missionaries to help them to go and live this out on campus.
0: Nehru, that's a great backdrop, a great conversion story. And we're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we'll continue our discussion with Nehru De Silva and learn more about Fellowship of Catholic University Students, also known as FOCUS. So please stay with us.
1: You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents Woody and Joyce Wood and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their
0: support. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up
1: the dry cleaning tomorrow.
0: Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program Go Rebuild My Church. We're speaking today with Niru De Silva, the director of Focus Retreats, serving 200 plus locations throughout the country. In our recent broadcast, we discussed how Jesus calls us to go and make disciples. When a missionary leads someone to encounter Jesus Christ, what are some of the next steps near you that missionary leads this student into? Talk to us about the process of discipleship that Focus uses among our college students.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Fundamentally, our process for helping people come to know Christ is what we call win, build, and send. So in that process, we start off by earning trust. We're earning trust with people just like one-on-one, person-to-person, but what we're really also trying to do in that win stage is build the trust with them in Jesus Christ. Uh, We're trying to model for them what a life alive in Christ really looks like, because in this day and age, there's so many people that are looking for answers, and they don't look for it in Jesus Christ. But when you see somebody that is totally alive, filled with the light of Jesus, it stands out brightly. And so I think when we have these missionaries that are out there living a life of joy and zeal and excitement and conviction, people see that, and they're like, wow. That Mm -hmm. is so different. What is it about you? Uh, So that's really what we're starting in that win phase. And then we start to help them to see that it's not just me. I'm not just a particularly great person. It's because of Jesus Christ. That is the reason why. And then we help them to start asking those questions and see beyond just the person Mm -hmm. and see the source of that light, Mm -hmm. which is Jesus Christ. And once we've done that, we want to start to build them up. Once they have learned to accept and see Jesus, we want to help them to understand how to live that life of faith, how to be a disciple of His. And then we don't just stop there. We actually want to send them out to go and do that same thing for others. And like that to grow focuses super convicted in those last words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew to go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. We really take that seriously. So <laughs> we t- need to make disciples of everyone.
0: Amen. So tell me about that building phase. What are some of the what are some of the practices that go into the building stage when you have that young person and they're ready to go into those next steps?
1: Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So once Started to identify that somebody is open to this, if they're starting to acknowledge Jesus Christ, then we want to uh, share the gospel message with them, the charisma. And so we do something called a gospel presentation, and we basically share that message and ask them if they are ready and if they're excited to put Jesus Christ at the center of their life. Mm -hmm. And that is the transition into that life of, if they say yes, that's how we move into the build. Uh, They're really here growing as a disciple. And what we're helping them, once they've said yes to this, to, to understand and to live out, is Acts 242. It's how the early church started. It's having a life of prayer. It's having a life of breaking of the bread, the sacramentality of the church, uh, a life of fellowship with good people that are holding you accountable and lifting you up towards Jesus, and ultimately the teaching of the apostles.
0: Amen. That that's a verse that I have chewed on for a couple decades at Acts two forty two to see that restored to the mm-hmm. church. So uh, so in this process, then, of bringing, uh, bringing a young person in through this discipleship, can you think of a, of a story or a, a person that really comes to mind when you say, wow, this, is, this really is a Jesus thing, this is a God thing, this person or this situation really manifests what we're after here at Focus? Absolutely. I'll tell
1: you a couple of short stories. There's one time when I was out at Columbia University in New York City, and I didn't really know anybody. It wasn't like a, I didn't go to a ministry that was thriving with a bunch of people. I, I struggled to start Bible studies because nobody was really interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way that I would try to build <laughs> um, my group of, of friends, people who are pursuing Christ with me, was... I just had to go up to people and start talking to them. And so one day, I just saw a guy eating lunch out in the middle of campus, and I just sat down with him, and I started to ask him questions. I was talking to him about um, his experience. He was an international student, originally from China, and mm-hmm. I told him that you know I was with the Catholic Center, and I asked him some basic questions about what his experience was with religion, with Jesus, and he was like not much, would you tell me? <laughs> and I was like, yes, absolutely. And so that was the beginning of an amazing friendship. We started talking to each other, we met up regularly, he joined a Bible study of mine, and I remember one time specifically uh, in Bible study, he, we read Isaiah, where it talks about how the water comes down and fills the earth and doesn't go back to the Lord void. And he read that, and he was like, so you're telling me that God has been working in my life, and he's been helping me to grow and helping me to see him, and now I'm supposed to do something about it? And I just stared at him, (laughs) like, quiet. I said, yes. (laughs) And he was like, that makes sense. I have to do this. And it was amazing. He uh, eventually converted to the Catholic faith. It was really, really beautiful. Uh, And he's been a lifelong friend. Uh, And he's even a supporter of my wife and I through our mission with Focus. So, yeah, it's been really beautiful. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. So on the other end of the spectrum, uh, sometimes, like St. Paul, we're challenged by others and even sometimes persecuted as we share the good news, and particularly on college campuses, I would think, today. Can you tell us about some experienced resistance to the gospel that your ministries experienced on campus?
1: Oh, yeah. When I was a missionary at Columbia, it was definitely not a place where uh, it was easy to be a missionary, even that concept uh, is is hostile concept yes. to, most, uh, to most of those college students. And I think that really what was interesting about that was we would just love people. <laughs> we would mm-hmm. just go out and we would say, okay, we're not going to lead with some of these really Tough topics, or sometimes even starting off the bat with I'm a missionary. When it is transparent and helps to break down barriers, absolutely, we're always going to do that. But we just really wanted to start conversations. We wanted to go out and meet people where they were in the gyms. We wanted to be exceedingly kind and joyful and shine that brightness of a life in Christ to them. And that's really how. We grew our ministry. That's how we started to talk to people. I remember there was one conversation that I had. I would walk around campus and just start conversations with students. And there was one guy um, that started to talk to me for a little bit. And we started to talk a little bit about religion, and it very soon became something that he's like, "I, I don't really want to talk about this, so I think I'm going to move on. And he's like, okay, well, thanks for talking to me. And just as he was about to walk away, he stopped and he said, you know what, thank you so much for talking to me. I've been here for three years at Columbia, and I think this is the first actual conversation that I've had with him. Mm -hmm. And I was just dumbfounded
0: Mm -hmm. by that. (laughs)
1: that just something like having a conversation with someone is what helps to share the gospel with them
0: amen so nero we're going to take another break now and when we return we're going to continue our discussion with you a leader in this powerful apostolate fellowship of catholic university students so please stay with us listeners
1: You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for
0: their support. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. We are blessed today to have as our guest, Nirju de Silva, Director of Retreats for this powerful lay apostolate, Focus. First of all Nero gave us an overview of his background, his family, how he came to know Jesus Christ and how he entered into the Catholic Church and it's a wonderful conversion story. Now we want to move on to our theme Go Rebuild My Church. We've been discussing the crisis in the church and I know you're very aware of the alarming statistics regarding the attrition we're now experiencing, especially among our own college-age youth. How does focus help rebuild the church today in this situation?
1: Absolutely. This, if there's anything that I would say that guides my life, it's, it's this issue. Because it was me. I was that person that left the faith that that could see a semblance of it and said, nah, it's not for me. I'm the one that said, you know, I won't accept a label. I'm not going to be any of those. I will be a, a nun, N-O-N-E-S, meaning none of these labels, none of these religions apply to me. Mm-hmm. And I know what it's like to make that conscious decision and to be so wrong, <laughs> to, to realize that we all still want something else, that we're yearning for something, we're going to try to find it in every other place, but you're not going to find it until you find the person of Jesus Christ until you enter into a relationship with Him. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I am very familiar. It is my brothers, it is my sisters, it was me, who are those N-O-N-E-S, those nuns, those people. And I want so badly to go back and say, you know, I was you, I, I know why you're where you are, but I also know what you're looking for, and I know where the answer is. Walk with me for a little bit and let me show you something. That's what I think. Like, you see those statistics out. All these people are leaving. But conversely to that, I think you need, seeing the statistics of focus, it's a very different story. Mm-hmm. 20,000 people that are going to be uh, in St. Louis at our SEEK conference this next year, trying to, to ask that question, Jesus, are you there? Jesus, what are you doing in my life if you are... How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to share my faith with others? That is an amazing statistic. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have 985 missionaries in that generation that should be gone, that should be empty from the Church, they're saying, no, I'm actually going to go and fight for the Church. I'm going to go and fill those peas. I'm going to go and proclaim Jesus Christ to those people. That is the statistics that we're experiencing in Focus. And so it can be super disheartening to look at the Church, to look at some of these empty pews, But I think that uh, in Focus, we are really fighting against that. And I think as Focus continues to grow, seeing the growth that it's already had in 25 years, looking at the next 25 years of what's possible, that's why I am where I am today. I'm so excited to serve an apostolate that's not satisfied with letting souls just uh,
0: so near you uh, when we look at focus when we look at focus and see what's going on there that breeds hope in us you know it's just it, it shows us that yes god is working and there is a subterranean movement going on that's going to manifest like you said in the years to come that's wonderful that's exciting
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited and blessed to be able to work for them, and I'm excited to see how we grow, especially with some of our parishes as well.
0: So I understand that Focus has an approach of placing their missionaries in local parishes. In fact, here in Indianapolis, there's missionaries from IUPUI that are also key players in this uh, very good parish called St. John the Evangelist. So what are the marching orders, so to speak, that you give to your missionaries when they are in a local parish and function within that local parish?
1: Absolutely. We're super convicted that the marching orders, whether you're a college student or a parish uh, parishioner, it's the same fundamental message. It's this win, build, send. It's helping people to say yes to Jesus Christ, to putting that at the center, to living out that life of discipleship in Acts 2.42, and then going out and sharing that with others. The So it's the same on the campus as it is in the parish, but we have to adapt it, obviously. There's different circumstances, people in families, people uh, just uh, working nine to five, typically, as opposed to that radical availability uh, and almost questioning of the college campus. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit elongated, but you're still entering into people's lives, helping them, uh, stepping into the community and going out beyond the church uh, walls going out into the local community and being a light and then drawing them always back into the life of the church.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for our listening audience today, I think it's, I was thinking as you were talking, you know, a lot of local parishes encourage people how to give financially and they say, well, why don't you give to the parish, why don't you make a goal of giving 5% to your local parish and that includes the bishop's fund etc. and then take that other 5% and give it to where you feel like the Lord is leading, to missions, etc. and I think if people look at Focus and become acquainted with it, that certainly is a place where people can invest some time, talent, and treasure. And could you give our listeners kind of just an overview of how they could learn more about focus uh that goes beyond our conversation and this particular call to the ministry?
1: Absolutely. So Anyone can go and visit focus.org, focu org. Mm-hmm. You can learn all about our apostolate, about our mission. Uh, a big part of our apostle is that missionaries who give their lives to go and share the gospel with others, right. they fundraise their salary. Right. And so you can actually, there's a, a little button on there which says find a missionary, support a missionary. You can support missionaries like that and help them to make their livelihood so that they can go out and share the gospel with other people. You and can we can also, also go. Focus to your
0: website, and we can see your name there and an opportunity to give to you as well. I want to point that out.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, that is uh, my wife, uh, Sarah, and I, we are both would be happy to receive anyone that wants to support us in our mission.
0: Well, I want to thank you Niru de Silva and thank you listeners for joining us today as we seek to connect individuals, families and parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. To hear our past programs, go to catholicradioindy.org. You can access all previous broadcasts through the podcast tab on the webpage. You can download the Catholic Radio Indy app from your app store and listen 24-7. And you can also say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye now, and keep the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy.